Shalom, my friends, and welcome to the Roots of Flourishing podcast. I am Dr. Chris Lasante, and this is the podcast where we explore the roots of human flourishing through medical knowledge, philosophical reasoning, and theological insights. Episode 6, The Root of Mutual Subordination. Although it's easy to say we should be in harmony, apparently is not as easy as it sounds, or else everyone would be doing it. Thus, we need to better understand how we can bring about balance and harmony of our various dimensions while promoting the underlying basic goods within each dimension. And that's where our third criteria for human flourishing and the concept of mutual subordination comes in. This concept was first introduced to me in a book that one of my former radiology residents gave me. The book is called The Spiritual Life and How to Be Attuned to It by St. Theophan, who was a 19th century Russian monk and later Bishop of Tambov in Russia. The book is a series of letters written by St. Theophan to a young upper-class woman from Moscow who sought spiritual counseling regarding life and holiness. I found this little nugget of wisdom as St. Theophan spoke to her regarding the best relationship amongst the body— the mind, and the spirit, when he said this, For both the bodily and intellectual needs are natural to us, just as are the spiritual needs, and the satisfaction of them cannot in and of itself create disorder and confusion in our lives any more than does the satisfaction of the spiritual needs. Develop them all in harmony and in natural mutual subordination, and then human life would flow like a charm. St. Theophan then helps us to answer the question about what the best framework is for understanding the interrelationship amongst the dimensions that best promotes harmony. Essentially, each dimension must subordinate its ends or goals to that of the other three dimensions' ends or goals, hence the root of mutual subordination. Now, in episode three, we discussed subordination of the psychologic with the term self-transcendence. This is one of the roots of flourishing, and specifically a root of flourishing regarding the psychologic dimension, where our thoughts, emotions, and desires should subordinate to the other three dimensions' goods. This then allows the self to fully embrace and value the other, which in turn promotes eudaimonia and personal integrity, which bring about the end or goal of the psychologic, as we discussed in episode 5. However, subordination is not just specific to the psychologic dimension, but it really applies to the other three as well. They all need to subordinate their ends to the good of the other three. The reason for that is that no one dimension can bring about its own internal good by itself. Each dimension is entirely dependent on the other three for its own good or ends. Let's take the biologic first. The biologic is entirely dependent upon the psychologic to feed and nurture the body and to ensure that it gets enough rest and nutrition. The social impacts the biologic through relationships, which should not harm the biologic through chronic stress. On the contrary, the social needs to support the biologic through things such as clean water and air with nourishing food. 
The spiritual likewise supports the biologic through changes in the brain that help to reduce anxiety and stress, minimizing the adverse health effects from chronic stress. Additionally, the spiritual dimension provides the necessary virtues of courage, temperance, and selfless love to forego things that might be psychologically pleasant, although not good for the body, such as eating too much, smoking, or drugs. The biologic then selflessly serves the goods of the psychologic and social dimensions, providing the bodily means by which the psychosocial activities are manifested. Additionally, the biologic serves the spiritual by reflecting the glory of God's creation through the embodiment of his image bearers. The body also is the essential vehicle by which our psychologic embraces the other dimensions. Specifically in the spiritual dimension, our bodies physically act out the virtues, help to discover the true, and realize and or produce the beautiful. Secondly, the psychologic. Now, back in episode three, we spoke of self-transcendence, where we find the psychologic pursuing and valuing something for its own internal good or excellence without much, if any, gain psychologically. The psychologic dimension needs greater meaning in life above hedonistic pleasures, which are merely temporary. This greater meaning is found exclusively in one of the other three dimensions— This greater meaning is commonly found in serving the basic goods. Specifically, in the biologic, we can find greater meaning when we promote the health of our body through exercise and good nutrition. This is the reason why we typically feel good when we do these things for our bodies. Additionally, social institutions such as family, marriage, good work, enjoyable play, or even serving the environment such as gardening, or taking care of God's creatures, such as dogs, are all very common sources of joy that we have. Lastly, serving God and promoting His glory again serves another for its own sake. This frequently dovetails with the social dimension, but many people have found joy and meaning in a more reclusive life, such as St. Theophan, where in his last 30 years of life he spent the great majority of it in prayer. Others may be missionaries that rarely make a convert, but find joy in merely doing the will of God. The self-transcendence is seen in this statement by the Second Vatican Council when they say, It follows, then, that if human beings are the only creatures on earth that God has wanted for their own sake, they can fully discover their true selves only in sincere self-giving. Hence, the psychologic cannot achieve eudaimonia by itself through chasing after pleasures, but rather can only find its true fulfillment while serving the other dimensions. The social dimension. This could also be subtitled, Why Communism Doesn't Work. Communism tried to promote the common good by prioritizing the social dimension over the other three dimensions to even include actively suppressing the spiritual dimension. This actually resulted in harms to the other three dimensions, while paradoxically not even achieving the common good. The social dimension can only properly and practically achieve the common good and its attendant basic goods 
by the other three dimensions serving it, while the social, in turn, serves the other three. The basic goods in the social dimension need the bodies and minds of the other dimensions to subordinate their own interests and desires to promote marriage and friendship, both basic goods in the social dimension. Additionally, the spiritual dimension provides the necessary virtues to help the psychologic self-transcend itself in order to realize selfless love, thus the importance of this virtue within both marriage and friendship. The spiritual virtues also help the psychologic to love work and play for their own internal good, and not to be an instrumental tool for psychologic desires such as pride or an inordinate desire to win or to make more money. On the other hand, government and social institutions should really embrace a ministry model, or what has been termed servant leadership. Our leaders in the social dimension, whether they be government or corporate leaders or parents, should serve the biologic health of everyone by providing clean water, good food, a healthy environment, and adequate medical care. These leaders then should support the psychologic by facilitating a range of meaningful activities to include work, play, marriage, and friendship. Lastly, the social must both acknowledge and encourage the good, the true, and the beautiful while ultimately honoring God himself. The spiritual dimension is very interesting and shows mutual subordination at its ultimate level. The glory of God is made manifest through his creation that includes the environment and the whole universe, including our biologic dimension. The psalmist declares in Psalm 19, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Additionally, people both through their psychologic dimension and through the institutions in the social dimension give God glory when they are fulfilling his commandments to love him and to love their neighbor as themselves. We discussed this concept in episode 5 when we stated that when we live harmoniously with God, we then give him glory, which is the end of the spiritual dimension. On the other hand, we see the spiritual dimension greatly serving the other three. In the Gospel according to Mark, in chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of John goes on to say, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So, we see that Jesus, as the Son of God, embodied servant leadership through his ultimate act of sacrifice, but also throughout his life, we see him serving the biologic through healing the sick or washing the disciples' feet. He also redeemed social relationships through his work with people, including even the despised tax collectors, and he made one of them, Matthew, one of his twelve disciples. Additionally, the spiritual virtues and the power of a transformative relationship with God himself empowers us to selflessly serve our biologic and social dimensions. Additionally, prudence or prudential wisdom is put to service to order our lives, helping us to avoid harming basic goods, but rather promoting them and informing how best we should live multidimensionally. 
St. Theophan sums up things very nicely when he says, When the spiritual needs are met, they teach a person to harmonize with those needs the satisfaction of the other needs, so that neither the needs of the intellect nor the needs of the body interfere with the spiritual life, but instead aid it. Then, within a person is established complete harmony of all motions and revelations in his life. There is a harmony of thoughts, feelings, desires, undertakings, relationships, pleasures, and this is paradise. So, through St. Theophan's quote, we see that all these things, when working together and in harmony, bring about the completion of our humanity, which Theophan terms as paradise. Another way of looking at mutual subordination might be through the notion of mutual giving and receiving. Mutual giving and receiving is a somewhat foreign concept to our culture's notion of expressive individualism, as we discussed in Episode 3. It will be good to revisit the definition of expressive individualism given by Professor O. Carter Sneed in his book, What It Means to Be Human, where he defines expressive individualism as this— in which persons are conceived merely as atomized individual wills whose highest flourishing consists in interrogating the interior depths of the self in order to express and freely follow the original truths discovered therein toward one's self-invented destiny. This notion of atomistic individuals who are relatively insulated or devoid of unchosen relationships is contrary to the reality that we all live in. Sneed goes on further to say, Building upon this richer anthropological account, the book argues, following Alasdair MacIntyre, that for both their basic survival and their flourishing— embodied or vulnerable human beings depend on networks of uncalculated giving and graceful receiving, constituted by other people who are willing to make the good of others their own, regardless of what this might offer by way of recompense. This sense of mutual giving and receiving is grounded firmly in the fact that we are highly dependent and interdependent creatures, especially in our modern societies. We generally don't make our own food, construct our own houses, supply our own electricity, or produce our own gasoline, just to name a few of a myriad of things that we see as essential to our lives. Additionally, we are, especially at the extremes of age, either young or old, totally or increasingly dependent upon others for activities of daily living. These activities include managing our household affairs, or even more basic ones such as feeding and cleaning ourselves, as in the case of all babies and a good number of elderly and even some younger people with significant medical conditions. So, it is important with the sense of mutual subordination that we not only give to others, but also receive as well with gratitude— which we stated in episode three was a spiritual practice that promotes both justice and selfless love. Another way of looking at this is through the use of a metaphor. C.S. Lewis, in his book Paralandra, describes something he refers to as the great dance. He states it this way, In the plan of the great dance, plans without number interlock, and each movement becomes in its season the breaking into flower 
of the whole design to which all else had been directed. Thus, each is equally at the center, and none are there by being equals, but some by giving place and some by receiving it, the small things by their smallness and the great by their greatness, and all the patterns linked and looped together by the unions of annealing with a sceptered love. Blessed be he. Now, I think this is a beautiful picture through the metaphor of the great dance, where everyone is working together in harmony through a sense of continual giving and receiving that goes on and on and on. Now, this is the last of our first six foundational episodes of The Roots of Flourishing. Before we move on to explore either the fruits of flourishing or practical applications, let's try to summarize everything and hopefully bring a bit more clarity to the roots of our human flourishing. Everything can be easily summarized by the fact that our lives need to be well-ordered. A well-ordered life is not necessarily a rigid one, but one that encompasses our multidimensional humanity in balance, working in harmony, and in mutual subordination to one another. Additionally, we discussed how self-transcendence and the basic goods are also part of a well-ordered life. However, let's flesh out again why all these six roots are important for understanding what is and how we achieve a well-ordered life. Our four dimensions are useful to help us remember that the psychosocial dyad is frequently the cause of our lack of human flourishing and that we need to be more mindful of both the biologic and the spiritual. Balance is important and difficult to define, but we know it when we don't have it since we will not be at peace, which frequently manifests itself as anxiety, stress, depression, and or burnout. Balance reminds us that we need to pay attention to all our dimensions, attempting to nourish each dimension fully. Additionally, we need to be mindful that we naturally neglect or harm the biologic, social, and or spiritual dimensions through the tyranny of our psychologic dimension. Resetting our balance by turning first towards the spiritual dimension is always a good place to start when we are feeling out of sorts. Self-transcendence reminds us that we need to break out of our psychologic prisons. Self-transcendence then enables us to truly enter another dimension, rather than merely being a psychologic bystander. This depth of being in another dimension brings about equal emphasis and a better sense of an ordered balance amongst the dimensions. Harmony encourages us to ensure that the dimensions are not only not harming one another, but also working toward each other's goods, while at the same time seeking to leverage more or even all our dimensions in everything that we do, striving for win-win-win or even a quadruple win. The priority of goods, as we saw in episode 5, showed that the basic goods were foundational to a well-ordered life. They include life, health, marriage, friendship, work, play, aesthetic experience, knowledge, and harmony with the divine. We identified that misprioritizing instrumental goods as basic goods usually harms the basic goods, which is another way of saying that our actions are disordered. Mutual subordination to a strong degree includes self-transcendence, 
but helps us to additionally understand that it is not only the psychologic that needs to serve the other dimensions, but also the other dimensions that need to serve the others. This is because no dimension can bring about its own basic goods, but rather is entirely dependent upon the other dimensions of our humanity to achieve the basic goods and thus progress towards completing our humanity through a well-ordered life. Another way of even more quickly summarizing everything is that the constituent elements of our humanity are the four dimensions— with the basic goods being the primary ends or goals of each dimension. The concepts of balance, harmony, self-transcendence, and mutual subordination all describe how to best order each dimension and their interrelationships in order to bring about human flourishing. Now, I think a story about Disney World will actually help illustrate some of these concepts. A couple of years ago, I was invited to speak at a conference at Disney World. I knew my teenage daughter was a big Disney fan, and although she had been to Disneyland in California, she had never been to Disney World in Florida and really wanted to go. I thought I would bring her along, extend the trip to the whole week, and make some memories together, just her and I. Well, on our first day, we went to the Magic Kingdom, and we got there early. I thought so we could beat the crowds and hit the rides before the lines got too long. Much to my shock, my daughter wanted to go into one of the stores off Main Street. I hesitantly agreed and thought, we'll just peek in and then move on to get to the good stuff, the rides. However, I was very wrong. She then wanted to go into one shop right after another. I gently reminded her that the lines to the rides were getting longer and won't get any better the rest of the day but she was undeterred in her desire to continue shopping. It then struck me, thankfully before any harsh words of disagreement were exchanged, that my primary reason for taking my daughter was to make a great memory, not necessarily to get my money's worth by riding as many rides as possible. Once I let go of my own psychological desires to both ride rides and to so-called get my money's worth— I was then able to relax and truly enjoy my time with her for the rest of the week. There were some parks where we only rode a couple of rides for the whole day, but it was a fantastic experience and a great memory. I needed to subordinate my own psychological desires to ride rides and also to remember to prioritize the basic good of friendship with my daughter over the lesser good of getting my money's worth. Regarding mutual giving and receiving, My daughter knew that I am a big Star Wars fan and had never seen the Galaxy's Edge area in the Hollywood Studios Park. We electronically signed up to go on a new ride called Rise of the Resistance, which I was really excited about. However, our name did not get called before the usual afternoon downpour hit. I resigned myself to not going to it. That afternoon, we were enjoying a lazy time watching some Disney-themed movies back at the hotel when the shower stopped And about the same time, my daughter's keen ears heard my smartphone chime, indicating that we were now eligible to join the ride. Well, she spurred me on to walk the 15 minutes or so back to the park. We waited only a few minutes to get on the ride and then thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. This is a real-life example of mutual subordination with mutual giving and receiving while also demonstrating the importance of rightly prioritizing the basic goods over the instrumental ones. So, 
this week, seek to be more and more fully integrated and in harmony. Look for activities and things that are mutually subordinating themselves for the good of another dimension. And more importantly, actively participate in this mutual giving and receiving in the biologic, psychologic, social, and spiritual dimensions. I have alluded in prior episodes to Dr. Marty Seligman's book, Flourish. This book presents a nice summary of positive psychology's view of the fruits of human flourishing. We will review this book in our next episode and show how the various roots combine to produce the fruits of flourishing. Until then, wishing you increased flourishing as we press towards the goal of completing our humanity. Check out my show notes for references and additional resources. The show is also at rootsofflourishing.buzzsprout.com. Shoot me an email at rootsofflourishing at gmail.com with comments or questions. 